Well, hey, welcome to the Learning to Lead podcast. I'm Paul Doherty, your host, and today I'm honored to be joined with Pastor Tommy Barnett. Pastor Tommy, thank you for being on the podcast. <laughs> thank you, Paul. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. What God has done in this church is mind-blowing. Praise to God. see that place filled with people and so many young people Praise pouring God. their heart out to God. And truly, this is one of the points of light Bush used to talk about things of the nation that really touched that, were, that we had ought to look to. Wow. And this church is truly a point of light. Wow. When you walk in here, you know God's changing the city because of churches like this. Thank you, Pastor. Well, I shared this tonight to our church, and I shared it with you, but we wouldn't be who we are if it wasn't for your obedience to God to really dream, not just for your church, that you were pastoring in Phoenix, but to really stir other pastors to dream. My dad and mom came to your pastor's school in the 80s and 90s and then brought so much of the flavors of what God was birthing in your church through you here. I, you know, on this podcast, we're dealing with a lot of people who aren't just pastors, they're yeah. leaders. And they're trying to figure out how to be a good leader, how to lead their ministry, lead their organization, their business well. What would you say to those leaders about uh, becoming the leader God's yeah. called them to be? Well, I think, first of all, we got to believe in people. Mm. I really do believe that people can do great exploits. I've got that sermon, I preached the miracle in the house. Yes, sir. I truly believe that no matter how small your church is, the seed for that church that grows right there in your house. Mm. And to see that seed come forth, you got to believe in people. You got to love them and believe they can really do extraordinary things. And through the years, some of the great ministries in America, like Master's Commission and uh, the Athletes Ministry, we raised up somebody in the church, and they went out and built a ministry almost as big as our church. Wow. But I believed there was a miracle in them. And then second, Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to follow me. And of course, sometimes we say, don't do this. As I say, I mean, as I do, do as I say. Right. And I think we ought to be like the Apostle Paul who said, follow me as I follow the Lord. Mm. And that's really what mentoring is about. Jesus said, now I'm going to go back to heaven and I want you to do what you saw me do. And I think a pastor, a leader, if he, anything that he does, he needs to take leadership. Right. If you're going to start a bus ministry, you need to be the first guy that goes out and fills as a pastor. Mm. If you're going to lead a stewardship campaign, you need the, the guy that gives the first gift to it. That's it. We must take the leadership. I know when we built buildings years ago, the pastors just built the buildings himself. And I remember Davenport, Iowa, for eight years every night, I went to the church from five to nine to labor with the men of the church to build the wow. building. And that's really the way that people get things done. The pastor has to be the leader. That's so good. That is so good. You have been preaching for how many years? 66 years. And you just celebrated a birthday. That's right. 82 years. Of wow. Age. Starting when I was 16 years of age. So speak to those teenagers and young adults that are trying to figure out, you know, whether or not they have what it takes. You said something tonight. Yeah. In the, in the room, you said, you've got it. You're in seed form. Just like when you 
called out in that room and Bishop T.D. Jakes yeah. at that time wasn't known by anybody, but he, he took hold of your message. So maybe to those that are watching today, they're gonna, we're going to show his entire sermon right after this podcast. Make sure you watch it on the podcast channel. But just to those people that are trying to figure out, do I have what it takes? Can I start right now? And uh, learning to believe in themselves. You know, everybody's a little inferior. Mm. They, they believe, well, God can use somebody else, but not me. I think there comes a time in their life that in my t- life, I, I was just a young boy, and my dad took me to hear the great Charles Fuller. Wow. They named the Fuller Seminary. Fuller Seminary after him. And it was in the Missable Auditorium. It would see about 10,000 people. And I sat there as a little boy, and I went every night with my dad. And the last night I said, Dad, someday I want to be a preacher like him. And I want to have a church about this big. And I want to fill it every week. And every week I want it to be like a fuller meeting. Wow. And I, my dad was very wise. He said, son, if, uh, if you just keep humble before God, and follow God, He'll allow that to take place. Come on. And I and I think that we can never kill anybody's dream. Mm. <laughs> I've learned that if people say to me, uh, they tell me the dream, and I think it's so big, I know they they don't really have the capacity to do it. My answer is, praise God. <laughs> and I've said praise God to miracles I never thought really would take place, wow. and they went out and did great exploits. That's a good word. So you never know. Some of the most talented men that I've known depend on their talent. They never made it. Mm. Some of the most, well, some of the simples, most uneducated people, they had something in them that made them to excel while guys who had degrees, so many of them would call them Fahrenheit, you know. Mm -hmm. But God looks at something different than we look at it. That's good. So... I would say God has something in every one of you. That's it. You just need to find it, and when it clicks, go after it. So And good. it can be great. Pastor Tommy, that is powerful. One last thing I want to say. Tonight, after the service, you sold your new book. Yeah. And what I thought was just so powerful is here you are. You celebrated 82 years of, of being alive. You've been married for 55 years <laughs> to the same woman. You'd rather fight than switch, which was so funny. Uh, you preached for 66 years, but you stayed at that book table and you signed every person's book. You gave everyone a hug. You looked everyone in the eyes. You treated everyone kind. That is leadership, and that inspired me. And I was sitting out. I was standing out there, thinking, "He's going to stay out here until the last person." Co- and you sure did. You had to wait. Hey. But you know what? You spoke. Your actions spoke loud. So to everyone who's watching out there, he's living what he's sharing with you, that a leader has to set the example. And if you're going to make an impact, you've got to get out there and build that building. You've got to go on that bus. You've got to give to the campaign you're asking others to give to. Pastor Tommy, thank you for setting an example for for young leaders to follow after. Thank you, Pastor Paul. And let me just say this. To, to follow up on what you're talking about, anything that we amount to in life is, first of all, to the blessings of God and the people that follow us. Mm. They, so we, we've got to minister to the people that surround us. They, 
They're the ones that really make or bless our ministry. God first and then people. So that's why we got to treat people good. That's so good. And of course we do it because we love them, but they deserve to be treated good. You know, um, through life, people have always rated where we stand as ministers. Mm. They'll say God first, family second, people third, and they go down the list. Everybody's got a listing mm-hmm. of where they put it. But this may shock you, but this is what God laid on my heart. At the top is God slash people. Mm. Right on the line up there. Right and the reason for it is this. He said the only way you can minister is when you minister to the least among them. Mm. You know, when we worship and praise God during the worship, well, we're getting blessed. Is that right? That's right. We say we're ministering to God, but really, we're the ones that have been built up by worshiping and serving the Lord. But the way that we really minister to the Lord is when we feed the hungry, clothe the naked, win people to Christ. He said, the least you've done it, you've done it to me. Mm-hmm. So that's why when we put up there, of course, God is first in our life. But out here is people, because that's the way you minister God. He said, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep and love them. So then I put family right under that. That's powerful. That's powerful. Well, you know, last thing I'll say is this. Um, I came to the Dream Conference about seven, eight years ago, right before I stepped in as pastor, right before I uh, shared on this podcast my journey of leadership, of becoming pastor when my dad died and my mom was leading the church for a few years in transition. And we were going through a really rough time. It was discouraging. Finances were low. People had left. I was afraid we were going to have to close our school down, our dream center, our our Bible college, our camp. I was thinking we're going to have to sell it. I honestly wasn't sure if our church was going to make it. And I was at the dream conference and you spoke and you said, I want everyone to go out to Prayer Mountain, your mountain right behind the church. That's right and I want you to write a dream down. And that night, I climbed up to the top of that mountain, and I had tears, and I was looking up at the sky there in Phoenix, and God just began stirring my heart with dreams. I came back here. The following year, I stepped in as pastor, and um, it was like God just gave us momentum. Our church began to grow again. Finances got stronger, <laughs> and the school never closed. The Dream Center is still going. St- dream Center is stronger today than it ever has been. The school's stronger. The Bible college is growing again. We've launched more campuses. But I just want to say thank you because you stirred me with your message. You stirred a lot of people tonight to dream that we never know where these people are at. They might be where I was at seven years ago. And so thank you so much, Pastor Tommy. Make sure you watch the whole sermon. It will so inspire you. And thanks for being part of our podcast. God bless. God bless you all. There are several passages in the scripture, in the Bible, that deal with things that we must do in order to have our prayers answered, our conditions that we must meet. The famous chapter, John 15, and verse 7 that you all know, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, I want you to notice it didn't say, ask first what you would want. It says first, you got to abide in me 
and my words got to abide in you. You see, prayer is not an Aladdin lamp that you rub together and ask what you want and get it. Prayer is not a rabbit foot. Prayer is a formula that always works. It's not a guess proposition. If you abide in me and my word abides in you or lives within you, you can ask what you will. So you live in him, he lives in you. The word lives in you and live in the word. And then the Bible says you have carte blanche. You can ask anything that you want. And the Bible said it shall be done unto you. And then there's a famous scripture, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. You see, God is a God of formulas. There's a way that a nation can be healed and spared, and it always works if my people that are called by my name, you see, the ones that are listening to this message today are the problem. It's my people that are the problem. It didn't say if the devil's people my people called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face. Then I will, not I might or I usually do or I can do it, but I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins. I'll heal your land. And that's God's promise. And it's a formula. Now the base has been said, follow me closely. Now suppose that I do that. I meet the condition that God has laid down for answered prayer. I have now met God's condition. So the Bible said now, let him ask what he will and it shall be done unto him. But now wait a minute. There is a second choice that opens up by me meeting the conditions for the first one. Follow me closely. The same qualifications for me to be able to have what I will now qualifies me to make a second choice. So when I separate myself and I'm abiding in Christ and his word is abiding in me, then I also have a second choice. So let me put it this way on the screen. There are two boxes that you can check. Box number one. I now may ask anything I will because I've met God's condition. The second box is, I may have what he wills for my life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now this may surprise you, but I hardly ever pray for anything for myself. Now there's nothing wrong with it. The Bible said, ask and you shall receive. Seek it, you shall find. Knock it, it shall be open unto you. Over and over, the Bible is full of scriptures saying, ask, ask big, believe big. But you know why I hardly ever ask anything for myself? Because I'm afraid that if I pray for something for myself, God may have something bigger and better for me because his will for my life is bigger than my will for my life. So I'm afraid that I may be asking too small. Some of you are not getting that, so let me put it this way. 
let's say that I prayed for a pint. <laughs> that didn't sound very good. Let me change that a little bit. <laughs> let's, let's just say that I prayed for a fifth. That's worse yet. Let's go back to the pint. If I prayed for a pint, and if I meet the conditions, God just might want to give me a gallon instead. So I can have a choice in the matter. I can say, this is what I choose, our Lord, you choose for me. I want your will to be done in my life. Some time ago, my wife was, it was Christmas time. And she said, honey, have you got my Christmas present picked out? And I said, yes, I do. Oh, she said, I wish I'd caught you before that. I wish you'd give me money instead of, you always pick out the wrong style and the wrong size and the wrong color. She said, do you think you could take it back and get money and give it to me? Well, I said, I guess I could. So I did. Sometime later, I was walking through the mall with my wife. Now, I'd rather go through seven years of the tribulation than go to the wall. My Come on, I'm going to preach the truth whether you like it or not. As we went through the mall, we walked by this beautiful jewelry store. And I said, honey, would you like to see what I bought you for Christmas that you didn't want? She said, yeah. And I pointed to a beautiful ring in the jeweler there. Next Christmas rolled around. I said, honey, would you like to have money this year? Oh, she said, just pick out any old thing you want and surprise me, amen. You see what God wants you to have. It's better than what we want to have for ourselves. But the tragic thing is, we say, I want what I want. And God looks down and says, oh. But if you just knew what I planned for you from the foundation of this earth, I'm gonna give you a graduate course now. And I wanna say three things that will help you about this scripture. Statement number one, his plan is better than my plan. When I was 12 years of age, God called me to the ministry. And he put a dream in my heart someday to pastor a great church for the glory of God. Now suppose that I would pray then that God would give me a big church the largest charismatic church at that time was a church of about a thousand people. Therefore, I probably would have asked God for a church about 500 because that would have been a big church. And I believe that God would have given that church of 500 to me. But look what I would have missed. Look what God had in store for me that I couldn't even imagine in this little mind of mine. When I went to Phoenix, Arizona, we started with 200 people. It was a troubled church. Within a month, we had over 1,000 people, and it just exploded. And we began to look for property that we would build our church on. And by the way, I almost missed God. I almost prayed that God would give us Tovery Mansion, a beautiful piece of property right in the middle of Phoenix, we could have got that, but it seemed it was blocked. I almost prayed that God would give us the McCune Mansion right next to Barry Goldwater's 
home, right on the south of Paradise Valley, the most beautiful location in the city. Can you imagine what would happen if I rolled in one of those 47 buses with 60 American heathens on it, amen? And they would have climbed over Barry Gold. He wouldn't have been very happy with us. And then we found a piece of property on the freeway. 200,000 people came by, 15 of the most beautiful acres, and we joined together as a church board, and we started to pray for this property. And God checked me and said, no. Fellas, let's just pray that God would give us the property that he wants for us. I almost missed it. If we would have got that property, I wouldn't have had room for those 40 some odd buses. If we'd have got that property, I, I wouldn't have been able to build the auditorium that we build that would seat about 6,000 people. We could have never had Joyce Meyer to come to the conference. We never could have had the Christmas musical that drives about 60,000 people every single year. There would be no room for parking. If we'd have got that problem, we wouldn't have had the prayer pavilion on the side of the mountain that never closes 24 hours a day. It's always open. We wouldn't have had room for small world village for the children. No, the youth building. No, the high school. No, the college. No, prayer mountain. No, the football field. If I would have prayed for those 15 acres, but I never prayed that way. I said, somewhere, God, you've got us a piece of property. Now, there wouldn't have been nothing wrong with praying that we'd get it. But I knew God had something that'd be very special for us. And the same thing when we went to the Los Angeles to build the Dream Center. I prayed, God, what location do you want? We looked at the Ambassador Hotel. That's the famous place where Bobby Kennedy was assassinated, a beautiful piece of property. We almost got it. Then we prayed, God, give us, we found another place called the Jewish Temple in Beverly Hills, an unbelievable auditorium. <laughs> I could just see myself ministering to the movie stars of LA. Now don't laugh because you know what? The other day I walked through the hotel getting ready to preach at a church and a lady walked by and nudged her husband and said, something big must be in town because there goes Jerry Jones right over there as she pointed to me, amen. Now I want you to know that I do pretty good as Jerry Jones. I just signed their book and go on, amen. But have you ever stopped to think what he's gonna do when somebody thinks he's Tommy Barnett? And they go up and say, sir, would you pray for me? Amen. <laughs> I wanted that piece of property in, in Beverly Hills. And then we saw the Power and Light Company. They wanted $8 million on 200,000 square feet right downtown. Perfect place. Matter of fact, we offered them $8 million. They told us that we had it in the last minute. The Koreans came in, the Korean church, and bought it out from underneath us. I've been bitter at the Koreans ever since. How many have prayed? <laughs> and then God opened up a place called the Queen of Angels. 
400,000 square feet, 16 story building, famous all over the city. Most of the babies were born in that part of the city. And they wanted $3.9 million, half of what the other, and it was twice as big. And it became the iconic dream center that all over the world now, there are over 300 of them. And I think we got a picture that they're pretty slow to get up back there, amen. And at the time, I couldn't even fathom what God had for us. And that's why the Bible said that our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard. It is not entered the heart of the man, the things that God has prepared for his children. I'm trying to tell you, God's got a bunch of stuff that he's prepared for you that you'll never get it because you just wanted your will over the will of God. Well, you say, Pastor Barnell, now that I've met God's condition, I'm going to choose what I want, and you can. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we're even told to pray that way. Or you can say, God, would you help me choose what I get? And I have come to the conclusion that you'll get a heap a lot more stuff and a better life if you bring God in on your decision and check the little box that says, thy will be done. Because number one, God's plan is better than your plan. But there's a second thing I want to say about this. I'd rather for him decide what I get because I don't know all that he has. So if I don't know all God has, how can I know what to ask him for? Because the Bible says our eyes have not seen and our ears have not heard it. We can't even imagine. So since God has given me the power of choice to check the box of my choice, I'm going to say, God, why don't you just go ahead and surprise me? I love the little story of the little boy during the Depression. His mother took him to the store. She had a few of the necessities like flour and sugar and milk. And as she was at the counter checking out, the proprietor had a big bowl of candy, hard candy in this big bowl. The little boy was looking at that jar of candy thinking, I I'd never be able, my mom, to afford to buy this for me. And as he looked at the little boy, he realized that he needed, he wanted some of that candy. So the grocer said, son, would you like some candy? Just reach in there and get the biggest handful that you can. The little boy just stood there. Son, he said, reach in there. Get the biggest handful that you can. It's yours. The boy just stood there. A third time, he said, son, did you hear me? I want you to take all the candy. Get a big handful of candy. The little boy just stood there. Finally, the grocer, a little fed up, reached in with his big hand took out a handful of candy, put it in a sack, gave it to the boy. They walked outside and the mama said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. He was trying to be nice to so you, never answered. Why didn't you reach in there? He said, because his hand was bigger than mine, amen. I got news for you, his hand is bigger than mine, amen. God has stuff for you all lined up there. There's a great church in this building. 
There's a great youth organization here. There's a great missionary that'll build a great church for God. There are literally miracles in the house. Oh yeah, you're in seed form right now. And many of you are never what you're gonna be. So be careful how you treat the one beside you. Matter of fact, nudge the person beside you and say, you better treat me good. I'm just a seed. I'm gonna be something someday. <laughs> Several years ago, I was asked to preach at the National Black Pastors Conference in Washington, D.C. I was the only Caucasian on the program. And I said to the proprietor, why in the world did you invite me? Everybody knows these black preachers are the greatest preachers in the world. You have just set me up for failure. I feel like a pygmy among giants. Why did you invite me? He said, well, preacher, we invited you because you got a black heart, amen. <laughs> well, that night I gave it all I had. I was in fast company, amen. And I mean, I really got with it. And you know, in, the, in these great African churches, they have music where you preach. And man, I got in the rhythm. I mean, I was really, matter of fact, I got so much in the rhythm, I began to rap. I, I couldn't believe I was doing that. Church. Sitting in that audience was a pastor of a little bitty church that read about 100. And I preached a message I'm pretty well known for called the miracle in the house. In the sermon, I say everything that you need to build a great church is right there in your house. The creativity, the think tank, everything that you need, the seed is right there in your house. This little pastor got so excited, he later testified that he was afraid he was gonna have a heart attack. And he said, God, if you'll just get me out of here alive, I'm gonna be the miracle in this house. He went home with that faith and his little church began to explode. He then got on Christian television and preached to the nation and stirred the nation. Years later, he had his first pastor's conference. He invited me to be the opening night speaker. There were over 8,000 pastors there. He told that story and said, I decided Pastor Barnett would be the first night speaker if I ever had my own conference. You might have heard of him. His name was T.D. Jakes. <laughs> Sitting right there in that building, there's a miracle. Come on, give the Lord a good clap offering right now. Have you ever wondered why old preachers have a hard time retiring? Because they're always looking for the miracle. I'm not sure that the miracle of my life was T.D. Jakes. That miracle being sitting right here in this building tonight. You are in seed form. But I got news for you. Remember, his hand is bigger than yours. His desire for you is bigger than yours. His provision is bigger than what you're ever going to reach out for. So I don't know what he has. So I'm gonna say, Lord, I'm just gonna trust you because when I trust God, number one, is God's plan better than yours? And number two, I don't know all God has, but number three, I don't even know what I need. The truth is most of the time, I don't even know what I want. Years ago, 
in our church in Phoenix. A beautiful young couple got saved. They just were married. They're very poor people, and he was coming home from work. He worked at night shift, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, a drunken driver ran a stoplight, hit the side of his car, immediately killed him. The church reached out. They helped them pay for their funeral. We loved them and did everything we could. The man who hit him was an extremely wealthy man. A lawsuit came, and they received a lot of money. The insurance gave them more money. Years before that, I had preached one day that if I ever had the car, now this when I was a young man, my dream car would be a Mercedes red convertible. And I said, if I really had a choice, that'd be the kind of car I'd get. Never expecting that ever happened. I was in my office and receptionist came and said, there's a young lady out here to see you. So I said, okay, I walked out. And she said, Pastor, I want to show you something. It was that young lady. She took me to the parking lot and pointed out to a red convertible sports Mercedes. And she took the keys out and threw them to me and said, it's yours. Oh, I said, what are you talking about? No, God told me to buy this for you. I heard you when years ago say, and I said, look, thank you. I'm so touched but I know God wants you to have this car. Oh, no, she said, I prayed about it, and God wants you to have the car. But I said, no, 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 I don't think that's what he wants. And she said, please, Pastor, don't make me miss God. I said, okay, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's pray about this for about a week, and then we'll come back and meet. If you haven't changed your mind and you feel different, then I'll pray and we'll come to agreement. A week later, we met. I knew what God wanted. And she said, I prayed about it. And I said, well, how do you feel? Oh, it's of God. God told me to give this to you. And I said, look, but I feel like God told me that you ought to have this car. And then I said to her, look, if I miss God, I'll stand before God. But you've already obeyed God and given that to me. And so you're free before God. And so I said, I let as a pastor, I want you to keep that. She said, okay. And I watched her walk out to the parking lot, get in my car and drive away. <laughs> and I went into my office and I got on the couch, took off my shoes, because this is what I do when I'm praising God. I jumped up and down, jumped up and down. And I said, oh God, I really didn't want that dumb car. I just wanted to know I could have it if I did want it. Amen. Come on, say again, amen. And Luke, you know, he's not as spiritual as I am. He said, Dad, I believe it was really of God. She just got the wrong Barnett. It was Luke Barnett. And I travel a lot. And I had to eat at restaurants all the time. And sometimes all the food tastes the same. So sometime I'll just walk in and say to the waitress, look, ha have the chef to fix me the best thing he's got in the kitchen and surprise me. And sometimes I come to God in prayer. I say, oh Lord, you know I've met your condition. 
I met your formulas. I'm abiding in you. Your word is abiding in me. I don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I don't stand in the way of sinners. I don't sit at the seat of the scornful. I delighted myself in the Lord. Now, God, I'm ready to order. And God says, well, what do you want? Well, God, I don't know all you've got. I don't even know what I want. And many times I say, God, just fix me up the best thing you've got in your kitchen and surprise me. Hear me. It's the greatest way in the world to live. I wake up every morning. A lot of people wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning. I rebuke you, devil. Get under my thumb. Listen, friends. I wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord. The whole earth is filled with your glory. I can't wait to see what you got for me here today. I can't wait to see how you're going to lead and guide me. I can't wait for the surprises, God, because it's the most exciting way that you could ever hope to live. And he gives me things that I didn't even know I wanted that bring so much joy, things that money cannot buy. Come on, say a good amen. Example. I love track and field. I used to run track in high school. That's my favorite sport. Guess what? God raised up a little girl, Matthew's little girl, who has one of the fastest miles in America in high school as a junior, one of the top five. She's got scholarships all over the country, and I get to go watch her run all over the country. And the other little granddaughter, she's at college playing golf. And when she comes home, I play golf with my little granddaughter. Sweetest little thing you've ever seen in your life. She weighs about 110. She can hit about 250. Sometime I just hit her in the shins trying to beat her. Amen. You know, you got to do what you got to do. You can't buy that. Did you hear what I said? God will give you stuff. Have you ever prayed for something you were sorry you prayed for? Don't look at your husband or wife. Please don't. Hey, have you ever been Christmas shopping and you see one of those $10 surprise boxes that you can take a chance and buy what's in that box? Or you can take your $10 and choose what you buy. So let's assume that I buy one of those $10 surprise boxes. And what's inside when open up? Hair curlers. Now I'm dead sure that I don't need hair curlers. I need what's under those curlers. I need hair. I need a lot of it. I've tried everything I know to grow hair. Somebody said you put a hot pack on your head and it'll grow hair. I did it till my hair blistered. Someone said you put a cold pack. That does it. And I got brain freeze. Somebody said if you will buy a bottle of vodka and rub it on your hair. It will grow hair every time. I tried it, didn't work, gave the rest to Pastor Paul, and he drank it, you know. No, 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 no. What I do to keep you awake, I have to do that, amen. Sorry, Pastor Paul. But I have discovered the solution to grow hair. I'm going to let my eyebrows go out real long and just comb them over my head. Yeah. 
to the $10 box, all right? Let's suppose for a moment that the person that packed that box knew me. Let's suppose that the person that packed that box made me. Let's suppose that the person who packed that box loved me with a love that is more than anybody will ever know in this world. Let's suppose the person that had packed his box owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold and silver in those hills. Now, how do you think I ought to spend my $10? I'll buy the box every time. Because my God in heaven, he loves me. He loves me more than I love myself. He knows what I need more than I know what I need. He knows what I want more than I know what I want. Did you ever have anything bad happen to you? And later on you say, that's the best thing that has ever happened to me. You see, all we have to judge is our senses, our smell, our sight, our hearing, our feeling. But he who is omniscient, he that knows everything, has something for you. He that owns everything has something for you. He that loves you with a love that you'll never understand has something for you. So God says, well, now you've met the conditions for answer prayer. Tell me what you want. I'm ready to take your order. Yes, you can have what you want. You've met the conditions. But before you order, you also have a second choice. If you'd like for me, I'll pick out something and give it to you. And brother, I have learned in 66 years of ministry, to say, surprise me, Lord. I'm often asked, Pastor, did you ever expect or plan to build a dream center in L.A.? No, we didn't go to build a dream center. There was no such a thing. We went to start a church. But we found out before you could build a church, you had to build the church, which was the people. Pastor, did you ever plan or desire to become the chancellor of a college. I've been the chancellor of Grand Canyon University and now Southeastern. <laughs> and when they asked me to come to the chancellor, I was so dumb, I thought it was a chandelier. That's how dumb I was. I didn't even graduate with my degree. Did you ever expect that you'd write books? Nope, I'm not an author. Ever expect to have a pastor's conference? We just finished our 40 first, and we've had over near 300,000 pastors who have come. Did you ever expect to travel around the world? No, no. Did you ever expect to be Joyce Meyer's pastor? Now that's a job, keeping that woman in line. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Folks, I didn't expect our plan, and I am blown away. But one day I discovered there was two choices that you can get what you want or you can get what he wants for your life. And I'll guarantee you that there's no life in this world like getting what he wants for you. 
what a tremendous way to live. If you abide in me and your word, my word abides in you. You can ask what you will. Ask what you will. Or you can add to it, Lord, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. And when you live this way, every day is like Christmas. Because I'm saying, God, I want to live with your plan for my life. And I close with one scripture. If you got nothing else, this could change you. Proverbs 3, 6, my life scripture. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and that he'll direct your path. Let me just break that down. The first six words says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. That's our part, the first six words. My job is to acknowledge him. I came to Tulsa to acknowledge him. The second part is God's part. And the second six words, and he will direct your path. So don't miss this. Go ahead and ask. Ask as big as you can. Ask God for the moon. Yes, pastor, do you? Yes, I ask. You know what I'm asking God now for? I'm asking God to give me before I die. I'm asking him to give me a billion dollars. Not a million, a billion. Why would you want a billion when you could have a million? No, 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 no. That's another story right there. A billion dollars. You know why? Because everywhere I go, they're asking me to help them build a dream center. I don't have the money to do that. And one day I was praying to say, God, I feel bad. The world needs dream centers. But I just don't have the money. I have to say no. And God said, well, I told you that I'd give you the inheritance for the nations of the world. Why don't you ask me? Now, some of you say, that's real cute, Pastor, but <laughs> that's never, never going to happen. Well, maybe it won't, but I'm looking for it. Amen. Thank God. And if I die, you'll say he was, he was on his way. Amen. Ask. Ask big. But at the end of your asking, just say, God, if you've got something better, I want that. The famous football player, Joe Namath, spoke at our church recently. God's done work in his life and has saved him by his power. And Joe Namath said, I can hardly wait to get up in the morning to see how good looking that I've got during the night. <laughs> and by the way, I can relate to that, amen? It hurts me when you laugh that way. But every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I hope I've given you something that could change your life forever. Do I have time for one more illustration? Everybody, let me tell one more story. Raise your hand real high. Thank you very much. Amen. <laughs> there was a man who, a young lady in our dream center whose life was changed. And after serving her time of two years at the dream center, she was on the plane flying back home and for some reason, she got bumped up to first class. She found herself sitting beside a man in his late 60s who later found out was a Jewish man who lived in London who was extremely rich, maybe worth a billion dollars. 
They began a conversation. She told about where she had been and the stories of the Dream Center. And big old tears came in his eyes. He said, it sounds like a place that I need to go and visit. She said, I'll work that out if you'd like to. So she arranged for me to give him a tour through the Dream Center. He was so touched. I mean, he was in tears all the time. And right after the tour, we'd go right into the service. And that night when the invitation was given, he came to the altar, this Jewish wealthy man, and gave his life to Christ. He was so on fire that he would fly once a month in one of his planes from London to the Dream Center to come to church. So he texted me and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I'm coming over, but could you be with me 30 minutes before church? And I thought, well, we can't even get people to come across the street to church, and he's coming from London. Yeah, sure, I can. <laughs> and I met with him. He said, Pastor, I saw a movie that changed my life, and I thought of you. It's called The Bucket List. Many of you know the story. But quickly, it's a story of two men that are dying with cancer. They're in the same room. One is rich, one is poor. They're depressed. They're going to die within a year. When one day the rich men came in, he said to the poor man as he picked up a piece of yellow paper that was written upon, it was wadded up. As he unstraightened it, it said at the top, bucket list. And he said, well, what is this? The poor man said, this is a group of things I wanted to do before I kicked the bucket, but I'm not going to get to do it now. We're going to die. It said, jump out of an airplane, swim with the sharks, drive a sports car, climb the Himalayas, kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. But he said, I guess we're not going to be able to do that. And the rest of the movies, those two old codgers are jumping out of airplanes, swimming with sharks, driving sports cars, trying to kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. And he said, when I saw that, I thought of you, not trying to kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. Now, come on, this is a rough crowd, eh? He said, Pastor, I've got the money. I've got the jets. Money's no object. Pastor Barnett, I want you to write down your bucket list. And you and I will take off a year if you need to. And we'll go any place, do anything you want. Money is no object. Just write your bucket list down. Woo! So a couple of days later, by his instruction, I got a legal pad and I sat down and I thought, what do I want to do before I die? I thought, I don't want to jump out of an airplane. The Bible said, lo, I am with you always. Amen. <laughs> I don't want to climb the Himalayas. I don't want to ride a sports car. It's bad enough driving my wife. And I've already kissed the most beautiful girl in the world. If I kiss another and she'll kill me, amen, you know. And I thought, and I thought, and I thought. 
and for the life of me. I couldn't think of anything I'd rather do than rescue another little kid from the street, than feed another hungry person, nor rescue a girl from human trafficking, than stand up and preach the gospel and drag somebody out of hell and point them to Jesus. And I bowed my head. There were tears streaming down my cheeks. I said, oh God, if I get too old to preach and do what I do, I pray God that you'll just take me on to heaven. For what is there to live for if you can't serve your generation in the will of God? I've come to tell you about there's a life. You're looking at the happiest old man you've ever seen. I can't wait to wake up in the morning. Honestly, I want to go to heaven. I just don't want to be on the next load. How many know what I'm talking about? I enjoy bringing the harvest into God. But there are people in this building that are not enjoying life. So while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one moving from this auditorium out of respect to the Holy Spirit. And by the way, nobody is. And I thank you for it. But before I close, I'm going to pray. And just before I pray, I'm going to ask everybody to raise your hand. He'll say, Pastor, I look up there and I see an old guy, 82, that just is so enraptured with living and doing the will of God. And I'm young and I'm strong and my body's strong and you've got a mind like a, a lawyer, keen. But you wake up in the morning, the alarm goes off, but there's no reason to get out of bed. There's no purpose, there's no will. To you, life has become meaningless. And that's why we have so many young people even taking their life today. But that can change right here tonight. God has a surprise me life for you. It's called joy unspeakable and full of glory is the way that one of the writers wrote about this Christian life that's full of adventure. You don't know what adventure is until you come to Jesus Christ. So while every head is bowed, I'm going to ask for everyone in the building to raise your hand and say, Pastor, you've spoke to me. I need God. I need purpose. I'm not happy. Pastor, I'd like to live that kind of life you talked about, full of exciting romance with Jesus Christ. While every head is bowed and no one is looking, I'm going to ask in just a minute, everybody, to raise your hand. Who'll say, Pastor, I need God in my life right now. My life needs shaking up. I need to live the surprise me life. I need God and I need Him bad. While every head is bowed, no one is looking. Only God will see your hand and I'll see it. If that's you and you want me to pray for you, put your hand up all over the building right now. Raise them real high. Put them up real high. Hold them there just a minute so I can see them. Keep raising them all over the building. Yes, keep raising them. They're still going up. Oh, so many hands. Keep raising them.
Pastor, this message is for me. I need God and I need Him bad right now. Would you pray for me? And now I'm going to see if you meant business. If you really meant when you raised your hand, if I want to pray for you. I want to, I want to put my hand upon you and look in the eye and ask God to do for you what He wants to do for you in your life. So while every head is bowed and no one is looking, I want everyone right now to just stand up that raise your hand and come to the front right now. And I want to pray for you right now. Get up as quick as you can. Move to the front. Come on, they're coming right now. All over the building. Make it 100%. Come on. If you raise your hand, get up right now. Get up right now. Oh, come on. Applaud as long as they're coming. Clap as if your son was coming. Clap as if your father and mother was coming. Come on, give the Lord a good clap offering right now. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Precious Lord, I had many messages that I could have preached tonight just about two hours before this service, there was a confirmation that this should be preached. There are young men and women here, God, that want to serve God. But God, they've been looking for direction to their life. I pray in Jesus' name that that plan that from the foundation of the earth was laid for them will be revealed, God. Maybe an opportunity opens that's God's opportunity like the dream center was our opportunity God I've never seen more moved people with tears streaming down their cheeks today Lord we give our lives to you and our children to you oh God we know you've got a plan we know that you've got a will for our life Father in the name of Jesus those dreams that are so big that we don't tell anybody. We're afraid they'll laugh at us, but God knows what they are and He won't laugh at you. And so in the name of Jesus, do a work in these lives. I'm gonna ask all of you here, before we change the order of this service, to repeat with me a prayer. It's called the prayer of repentance. And the Bible said when it's prayed with a genuine repentant heart that God hears and God moves. So I'm going to ask all of you to pray this prayer with me and I want all of you that know God to join in with them, to encourage them. I want this to sound like thunder, loud and strong. Come on, no little pansy prayer. I want you to repeat with me loud and strong. Dear God, I repent of my sins. I need a Savior. You said if I would ask you that you would forgive me. I repent of my sins. I now give my life to you. I receive your forgiveness. You are now my Lord. And I want to live for you. I want to live the surprise life. So dear God, I invite you in. And I thank you for what you're doing. 
in Jesus' name. Come on, raise your hands and give the Lord a good clap of him right now. Come on, let's praise him real big right now.